I want to talk to the young people, especially today, for just a few minutes about um, never quitting or never giving up on God or never getting discouraged or whatever out of one verse. And if you'll hold on to this verse when you get to be my age, you'll be glad you did. It'll pay off in the long run. I want to read it again. It was read well by the participant this morning. I want to read the first two verses. Matter of fact, the first three verses of the eighth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He, and he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know. I'll stop right there. I want to commence by making an opening statement of suggestion, an answer that I gave to a young man that asked me one day, what do you think caused the children of Israel to be lost in the wilderness for the 40-year journey? And I suggested to him, according to the Bible, they were never lost. They were led. Let me read it again. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. When you have a director and when you have a destination and when you have directions, you are not lost. It was God himself who led them for 40 years. I wonder why. Have you ever wondered what you would like out of life? I'm glad you asked. I believe the text teaches us three things that all of us want. Verse 1. Incidentally, in my Bible, verse 1 precedes verse 2. Well, <laughs> Listen, three things all of us want. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do that you may, that's number one, live. I don't know any rational person who does not want to live. That's one good way to know whether or not you've been blessed. Number 624 says, now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. But the verse opens like this. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. If you woke up this morning and the Lord has kept you, then that means you're yet alive. And if you're yet alive, he has a purpose for you. 
I'm preaching to myself. He has a purpose for you. And all of us have deep down in our hearts a desire to live. But that's not all that's in the verse. We'd like to multiply. We'd like to expand. We'd like to grow beyond where we are. That too is in the verse. And then the third thing is to go in and possess the land that God has already designed for each of us before the foundation of the world. But there's a problem. And the problem is that a child of God is actually never defeated by the devil. We are disobedient to the sovereign. That's what happened in the text. Everybody over 20 disobeyed the voice of God. Isaiah 59, 21 says, God says, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my voice, I'm going to take my word and my spirit and place it in your mouth. And when you speak, it's going to sound like a human being speaking, but it will actually be me speaking through you. And an earlier text we find, Exodus, the sixth chapter, God spake to Moses. First verse. First verse of the seventh chapter, and God spake to Moses. First verse of the eighth chapter, God spake to Moses. First verse of the ninth chapter, God spake to Moses. First chapter, first verse of the ninth chapter, and God spake to Moses. First verse of the tenth chapter, eleventh chapter, twelfth chapter, thirteenth chapter, God spoke to Moses. But it was actually God speaking to the children of Israel through Moses. They disobeyed Moses, and of course, they wandered in the wilderness being led by God. Got as close as Kadesh Barnea and all of that, but they didn't make it in. But everybody under 20 had a chance to actually receive what God had pre-planned for them. You know, that Jeremiah 29, 11, God knows the plans that he has for each of us, and they are good plans and it's a gift we do not earn it it's a gift that he has already stacked up on the table of time he knows your address he knows your phone number he knows your area code he knows when you put on the facebook and everything else it's all in god's hand and yet they missed it two or three things and i'll be sitting down why did they miss it Look at verse 2 that was read in our presence. And you shall remember. Have you ever wondered what the word remember means? Glad you asked. At least three things. Not just to remind us, but uh, I have in my Bible highlighted with a yellow highlighter certain verses and all. And that is so that when I go back through my Bible without going over every verse, looking for what I'm looking for, it's highlighted and easily called back to remembrance. That's one of the things that he has in mind. But another is to rehearse. Uh, re re remember means to rehearse. I saw the singers here today, they in days gone by have rehearsed 
And re, of course, is a prefix, but right in the middle of rehearse is semantically, H-E-A-R, here. And S-E on the end, of course, is to say. So to say again what I have already heard is to remember. Don't lose that. Another word for remember is engrave. One of these days I will hear the steady march of the chariot wheels from the sky. My light will go out like a vessel not filled with oil. My voice will be hushed like a flickering candle in the wind. My remains will be placed deep down in the couch of nature's night to await the dawn of eternity's reckoning and there will be a tombstone placed there somewhere, 1900 and none of your business. And on the other end, and on the other end will be another date, but it will be so that I will be remembered. So it means to highlight, it means to engrave, it means to call to mind, it means all that, he said, and you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness. The third verse opens by saying, and he humbled you. I used to have a lot of problems trying to determine what words meant in scripture. I am a shade tree etymologist. I study words at a lower level, but I'd love to do it at a higher level. But this word humble, you know what it means to be humble? Glad you asked. Jesus Christ, second chapter of the book of Philippians. Bible said, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient even unto death. So an humble person is a person who is obedient to the voice of God when one hears it. That's the bottom line of an humble person. It's not scooping over, you know, it's not waving, it's not a halo. It's obedience. Now there are four things in the text. Four things. Why did God lead them for 40 years, keeping in mind they were never lost, they were led in the wilderness 40 years it was to eliminate their pride. The verse says, God said, you've got to learn that man does not live by bread alone. Even in our election coming up in two months, or two weeks, the big issue is economics and what have you. But America will not survive on the economy alone. I don't know, is it normally this quiet every time? That, no, it, it's not by bread alone. That's what the verse says right here in the text. Does not live by bread alone, but by every word and everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you have not remembered the larger paragraphic emphasis. You have not remembered all the way that the Lord led you and blessed you up until this hour. He said, so I've got to let you experience 
pain. We usually give the devil all the credit for pain. And we give the Lord all the bless, uh, credit for a blessing. You know, if by chance I get a new suit or a new car, or get my tuition paid or what have you, I say, oh, the Lord has blessed me. But if he leads me around in the wilderness for 40 years, I said, the devil is after me. <laughs> but it could be the Lord. <laughs> and it could be my proud and pious. See, the flesh is proud. The flesh is pious. The flesh is persistent. The flesh is persuasive. The flesh receives all of our profit. God said, I have to humble you so that you will remember who's actually in charge. Now, some of us, even at an early age, may be going through issues right now. And it's because we have not remembered that we have enough to shout about and to thank God for. So he says, I will let you experience pain. Why? Verse right here says, to eliminate your pride. Now, however, how long that takes. For some, it's a short period of time. For some, it's a long time. But let's, let's, let's reverse it. He said, I'm going to eliminate your pride by exposing your practice. Do you know what's in the heart? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Matter of fact, the book of Daniel says at a certain verse that uh, he's coming on the scene shall destroy wonderfully. Now that's an oxymoron. Wonderful and destruction don't go together. But the smoothness that we're looking for is often an illusion and delusion. Matter of fact, the Bible said God sent them a strong delusion. That's 1 Thessalonians 2nd chapter. You might want to read that as well. So God will eliminate our pride by exposing our practice. Why does he do that? There's a third point in the text. And that is to educate us afresh to his principles. That that he has spoken Time will not erase, nor ages destroy. You'll find that in verse 3 in the B clause. That you may understand that you do not live by bread alone. I teach our church that we live in a three-room condominium. If I were to ask you right now, what is man made of? What constitutes man? Many of us would say, oh, well, he's body, soul, and spirit. That's diametrically opposite of first of the book of uh, first that ought to be First Thessalonians 5:23, that says, "We are spirit, soul and body, not body, soul and spirit. Inverted, turned upside down, and we'll be in harmony with God. But what flows out of the mouth is the priority of our thought pattern. We think body first, and then maybe a little time for the soul, and even less time for the spirit. When it should be seek ye first the kingdom, who is the king? 
Jesus Christ, who is the kingdom. He's king and kingdom. His realm, his rule, his reign, his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. I'm talking to somebody here today who may have mixed up priorities of seeking the wrong thing. Because every place in the Bible it says, and God gave. It's not what we earn, it's not what we seek after first say as a priority. It's what God gives that really makes the difference that time will not erase. I wish I had time to actually deal with this text because I'm speaking to the heart of somebody here right now that God is going to eliminate our pride, expose our practice, and then educate us to our, his principles. Why? That too is in the verse. So that we can experience what he's promised in the first place. He promised it to our forefathers and they disobeyed, the text says. He says, so I'm gonna wipe out this generation and start afresh with some students at Baylor. Well, I mean, that's paraphrased. <laughs> but a younger crowd who will have an open mind. The, the ones in the text, their minds had become darkened and their emotions had become distorted. Their wills were deadened to the word of God. But that's the joy of being blood-bought, born again, and birthed into the body of believers God gives us a mind afresh that can again know him, love him, and submit to him. And it's surprising what he has in store for you and for me when we obey him. Listen carefully to this last verse that I will read, and I will show you right in the word of God, verse 11. Bless you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Lest when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart, ever wondered what the heart is? You just keep on asking the right questions. Jesus gives an exposition of the heart in Luke 10, 27. He says, and love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. And then he explains this little in the, in the text, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And we do it all the time. We say, you know, I did it with all my heart, meaning I used my strength to do it. Well, I just think so in my mind. We're talking about up here, whatever. Really, it's, it's deeper than that. When we talk about heart, we point here. But actually, the heart is, we don't think with a muscle. We think with the heart. And that, of course, fundamentally is the mind. I put it another way. 
Over here is the gnosis. Over here is the cordia. We think out of the cordia, that's that word for heart. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And whatever you're thinking about today, that's really who you are. Now, closing. Then your hearts become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Verse 15 says again, he led you through this great and terrible witness, wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of a rock of flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might, there's the word again, humble you, that he might test you to do good for you in the end. That's why I was suggesting, never give up on God. You may end up in a pit, out of the pit, into Potiphar's house, out of Potiphar's house, into prison, on your way to the palace and a glorious position. But if you give up anywhere along the line, it's too soon to quit. May end up in a fiery furnace, but if you hang on in there and look around, you'll see a fourth person walking right with you. Never end this by ourselves. But the problem is when we disobey the word of God. Obedience and surrender is the clue. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient. So never forget this little feeble outline. When things happen in our lives, said to myself or you said to yourself, it may be that I'm a proud person. One good way to know when you're proud is P-R-I-D-E, pride. Right in the middle of pride, guess who's there? I. P-R-I-D-E. Guess what's right in the middle of sin? S-I-N. Go all the way back and that's what you'll find. Right in the middle is I. Want a miserable life? I just feel so far for myself. I just deserve more for myself. I just think I ought to have this for myself. It's always I at the center of pride. When it should be the life giver king. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Turn my thoughts from myself to him and get ready to experience blessings that I could never dream of on my own. Where will they come from? A gift from God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Gracious God, we thank you afresh for being our leader and for already having a land possessed for us that eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into our minds 
but we're willing to wait and see what the end is going to be, knowing that all of your thoughts toward us are good. For it's in that name we pray, amen.